Hello and welcome to another Woodshop Podcast with Mike Coffey of Coffee Custom Builds, Daniel Dunlap of Daniel Dunlap Woodworks, and Peter Kapar of Petrie's Workshop. You can find us all as well as the podcast on Instagram and YouTube. Welcome to episode 76 of another Woodshop podcast. I forgot how to speak. Your one-stop shop for all your reverse mortgage needs. And speaking of being strapped for cash, well, how else are you going to pay for the tools? Speaking of being strapped for cash, uh, we are all saddened by the news that OnlyFans is banning all explicit and sexual content. Uh, So we're going to be pretty strapped for cash. But Mike, can people support us in any other way? Before we get into that, we are going to be removing our OnlyFans logo on the pre-show. If they're not going to support what we do, we're not oh, going to probably should have taken that off. So <laughs> It's been on there for a long time. Uh, hey, if you wanted to support us, well, since we've lost at least 70% of our revenue stream from OnlyFans, if you wanted to support us on... It was pretty much OnlyDance. It was OnlyDance, which it wasn't the name of the site. It was literally only a bunch of guys named Dan who would support us over there. It was weird. OnlyDance. Like the Josh uh, fight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pile of Josh's fighting each other and a little kid wins. Uh, big thanks to our – well, if you wanted to support us over on patreon.com forward slash another Woodshop podcast, that would be awesome. That's one way to support us. Uh, that's really the only way to support us. Finan- no, that's not true. You can go to our Etsy store and buy some cool stuff. We'll talk yeah. more about that later as well. But uh, patreon.com, you guys are awesome. All the patrons over there, you are awesome for supporting us. Um, and you also get some perks, Mike, Right. They do get some perks. Uh, Something coming up, uh, such as uh, getting access to the show early. Is that? Uh, and that's actually more days earlier now. It's like four days early now because we. Uh, anyway, you get the show early. You get access to the video of the show a few days early. You get access to pre-show uh, the pre-show video early. Um, Any if obscure you've been a content VIP, we yeah. deem necessary for you to see <laughs> yeah stuff that we're like that's so funny we want only patrons to see it we'll do that sometimes um and then uh if you've been a patron for two months a vip patrons for two months we send you a free shirt yep. so we probably should actually check up on those i should check up on that you need to do if you didn't get a shirt yeah. yet you will now i'll check those. yeah if you if you've been a patron for two months but then there's the other thing patron. that we were talking yeah about yeah i'm going into that as okay, well I'm come on guys sure no thank you i appreciate it uh so the uh, a long time ago, we mentioned, and by we, I mean Dan, of course, put me under the bus and said that I'm going to make everyone these tumblers. I was like, Dan, I don't know how. And then I had, I was forced to buy this laser. It was a very expensive thing Dan did to me. No, I had said that we were going to buy, uh, that I'd got a laser and I got a rotary and I was going to make tumblers and we were going to do a giveaway for our patrons. So I know how to do that now. And uh, we are going to give away six AWP tumblers to patrons. So uh, we're figuring out how we're going to do that. We'll structure that and have more information this week. Uh pay attention to our stories and the podcast Instagram account. We'll have a better announcement for that. But also we're going to start offering those tumblers on the AWP Etsy store. So if you ever, if you aren't able to win one and you still want to get one and you want to support us, go check out the AWP Etsy store. We'll have those up here in the next probably week or so, I'd say. So that was a lot of stuff. Yeah. But speaking of support, a bunch of you have been writing really great reviews and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pete did the call, you know, put, we were looking for like silly reviews, obscure, confusing, obscure. Yeah. Because and here's the, here's really... the joke that we were trying to play on everyone else out there. You guys leave us good reviews that are hilarious and very confusing. And people see us rising in our ranks and they go, Oh, what's this woodworking podcast? Let me check it out. Well, what do the reviews say? 
and people are just super lost. What is going on? <laughs> what is what going is on? About? And then they have to listen. And then they go, what are these three schoolgirls doing giggling this much? For, so. example, <laughs> for example. Good callback. Uh, from Delonzo1041, They he and or she said, this podcast is so amazing. It saved my life. The doctor said I was legally, not medically, dead for 36 hours. <laughs> Last medical technique they tried was putting my AirPods in and binge played AWP. They said it was a scientific miracle when I came back to life on episode 69. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, Mike over at Broken Lead Woodwork says, thanks to AWP, I no longer feel so alone on a seesaw. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Um, uh, someone by the name of They Call Me John said, <laughs> the, the title is uh, Surgery. My doctor said I needed <laughs> – my doctor said I needed that brain surgery. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny you know, to me. I needed one. that brain surgery. <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, but then I started listening to AWP, and now the voices in my head tell me that I'm cured. So that's good. You are, John. I, do um, I don't know if we read this one before. Hold on. <clears throat> I think this is new. This is from TM Designs. Finally, a reason to do work. For months, I've been dissatisfied and completely bored with my job. Now, after listening to what seems like 14 years of podcasts, I have a reason to get refocused and concentrate on my career. This is to not get fired and be forced to start a podcast. <laughs> and these three <laughs> yahoos have given me the inspiration to step above mediocrity. Thanks, guys. I owe you my life. Love you long time. Tango Mike Designs. Uh, I, this is one from Jason Rafino. I don't think this is a, I think this is a new one as well. Yeah. I grew an inch after listening to this pod. <laughs> Like thanks. overall or – Thanks. Yes. <laughs> Specific spots. It's very, it's very uh, targeted growth if you know what I'm saying. Uh, thanks, Dan and friends. I guess me and Pete are and friends. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that's uh, that's it. The five great reviews. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Wait. We're friends? Like, yeah, it's man, thanks, just, Dan and, and friends. <laughs> Dan yeah. and the guys. <clears throat> yeah, Dan. Dan I like and friends. Boys. Oh, we, we dirty were Dan Dirty and Mike and, and the, the boys. It's like Barney and friends. <laughs> Except I'm not purple. I mean, if your Party breathing gets any worse, we could might have to see that. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, anyway, it's a long so, show. Anyways, it's a long Dan, show. Can, while you still have your voice, can you sing this beautiful tune? Can you at least sing real quick? Just bring us into it right now. Go sing. What's up, my bitch? Outstanding. Magical. <laughs> Don't. You weren't actually supposed to, but oh. uh, <laughs> I I have a way to harness your inner beauty. I don't know. I don't know. If you do, share it with me, would you? <laughs> yeah, please. I could use <laughs> it's an audio file. Uh, <laughs> this is an audio file of you singing like Michael McDonald. Okay. Um, so now that Dan is sung and the song's been sung, we're going to talk about what's on our bench this week. Like what's on your bench? So, so I'm going to start with mine. Uh, this week has been interesting. Uh, there's a big fire pretty close to us. A bunch of friends and some family. Got, got evacuated. That's real scary stuff. That's not really what's on my bench, but just kind of what I'm go- dealing with right now. Um, it fortunately has not grown a ton in the last 24 hours, and it is moving away from people I'm close to, but it is still dangerous and moving towards uh, South Lake Tahoe. So, uh, you know, big thoughts and prayers stuff kind of thing going out to those people. It really, there's a lot of people displaced right now. Um, and obviously, there's other fires in the state, and this isn't the biggest one. This is just one that's close to me. So, um, did you have to help anyone get out? It's on my mind. I no, I, I I offered several friends 
uh, and my aunt and uncle are under warning now, but they've got their RV. They got one of those big motorhomes. They've got all their important stuff packed in there. They're ready to get out of there when they, if they need to. So, um, several of my friends are at families' houses down the hill more where the fire is nowhere around. So, anyway, just kind of sucks. Sucks seeing that kind of destruction. You know, we all love being at home. You know, it's just like our place. It's our place where it can be us. So, um, also where you poop with the door open. Yeah, you know, shoot Nerf guns at your kids while you're pooping. Um, I don't know. I've never done John, that. John, so come here. John. John, I got, Daddy wants to show you this hilarious video. Go, 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 go. Dad, not again. <laughs> um, And then Tuesday, I got a story. Poop shoot. Poop shoot. Tuesday. <laughs> office. It's like desk pop, but a poop shoot. <laughs> you never done your first poop shoot? <laughs> Sorry, just popped in my head. Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> oh, I mean, fire to be fair, it's kind of always been there. Uh, <laughs> too soon. Um, so Tuesday, I'm driving down to a job walk for that big table I've had in my shop for months. Uh, we're we're trying to figure out the logistics of getting it in the building. But I'm on my way down there. I'm driving down the freeway. I go under this overpass, and I'm just driving. Traffic's moving fine, and there's a huge explosion, and it scares me. Like, it rattled me so bad. This explosion was so loud. And glass goes, like, all over my shoulder and kind of hits my neck. And I'm like, what the F just happened? And I look at the car next to me, and it was loud enough to where the car next to me heard the sound. It was so loud. And they're like, what? I'm like, I don't even know what happened. Was it louder than Dan sneezing? Uh, That's not possible, and you know that. Please don't minimize my story in the middle of it. Um, (laughs) No. So, I look in my rearview mirror. My my rearview... my window, my rear window is blown out and the cars behind me have their hands in the air like, what the heck just happened? And I'm like, I don't know what happened. So I get over to the number one lane. I was in the number two lane. I get over and I kind of slow down and I'm trying to like assess. I'm, try- I, I'm like, what's going on? I thought because I'd gone over under the overpass, someone had thrown a rock at my truck, but I'm driving away. They'd have to throw that thing at like 150 miles an hour to break through my window. So then my next thought was that I got sh- – someone shot my window out, which has happened out here in California, you know. Uh, it's, it's like an every other day experience, isn't it? No, it's not very – Or is that a Jersey thing? It's been a long time. It's a, I don't know. It's It hasn't happened uh, – there hasn't been a string of them in a long mm-hmm. while, fortunately. So um, I was like feeling – you know, I was like, am I – was I shot? It was totally lame. I was like, what? I, was I shot? Am I – is it bad? Am I bleeding? And I was like grabbing myself and making sure – and there was nothing. I couldn't find anything. So I get off the freeway at the next exit. I go to the Chevron, the gas station there. I pull off and I just kind of like collect myself and I'm like, okay, what just happened? I get out of my truck. I don't see any real signs of any specific damage. I can see where by my my rear window that there was some damage kind of by where the bed meets the cab. And I was like, oh, that's weird. So I walk around, don't see anything else. And I go under my truck. And there's a ratchet strap around my drive train or drive shaft. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And I'm like, that's my ratchet strap. How did – what happened? So the only thing I can figure is I always keep ratchet straps in my truck. I always do. I, I always – I've done that forever. I keep them – when I'm done with them, I, I roll them up into a ball and I put them in the front corner of my of my bed. And I think the wind just whipped one of the straps blue strap pieces around enough to where it went between the cab of my truck and the bed of my truck. 
What are the and odds? that little like one inch space. I know. And then it blew it down there and then it caught onto the, the drive shaft and wrapped around. And then as it pulled the, the, the strap down, the hook got pulled up in the air and then smashed out my window and it went down there because the hook was stuck in the muffler. Like it punctured the muffler and went into that. So I had to, uh, Obviously, I was parked, so the, the shaft, drive shaft wasn't moving, and um, the ratchet part was gone. I don't know where that is. The the strap was torn. It was on the freeway somewhere. I hope, hopefully, no one else got damaged their vehicle. I don't, I don't know what happened to that. Um, I I slowed down on purpose, and it was like about a half a mile before I got off the freeway. So I was waiting for everyone was going around me. I didn't see anyone. No one followed me into the gas station. I would assume if anyone got hit by it nearby, they would have followed me in. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, I got the thing off there, and I just couldn't believe what had just happened i immediately called everybody so that was a crazy yeah like you sent us that voice memo i was like what what are the odds of that happen that is insane the odds of that happening are insanely like crazy but when you think about it you got incredibly lucky that that's all that happened yeah yeah. so lucky if it i mean my gas tank or wrapped around my axle or anything like that i mean the damage is like I told yeah. you, I, I've seen a video, and I can't find the dang video, but I've seen a video where the hook grabbed the back of the bed and folded the truck almost like a taco. So wow. I know I've seen that video. And I, I called I'm, I'm inclined to believe agent. there. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was saying, I called my insurance agent, and I called him. He's like, uh, this is absolutely bonkers, the story. He's <clears> like, I, I actually am going to have you call in the claim because they're not going to believe me. <laughs> so I'm going to have you call <laughs> So I called in the claim and I talked to the lady and she was like, I've been doing this for 29 years. I've never heard a story like this. She's like, I always hear the story where it's a contractor and they strap the the S hook to like the wheel well and then something comes loose and it falls down and gets wrapped in their, their axle, but never on the drive shaft like that. She's like, I couldn't even believe it. And then kudos to my insurance company because they had the adjuster out the next day, which was yesterday. And I'm going to have the check like next week. So I've got the window being replaced tomorrow and I'm just waiting to hear from my, uh, my shop about the muffler. So anyway, that was a wild, wild way to start the Tuesday, but I went to the, uh, job walk and, uh, we figured out how we're going to get that thing in the building. Originally it was going to be craned in. That crane is gone. We are using the man lift. The man lift is only going to be out there for like, isn't that a strip club in Nebraska? The man lift? No. Yeah, there's the man lift and the bear club. The bear den, not bear club. <laughs> bear den's in Jersey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oops. It's a sister club. Anything. Yeah, it's... <laughs> That's in Alabama. If you have, a, if you have like, one of their uh, passes... <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. Jeez. Oh, it's happening. Good work. And we Good just work. lost our Alabama crowd. Oh, no. <laughs> no, we just gained Dale, our... don't go. Huh? Dale! <laughs> <laughs> So, um, anyway, figured out how we're going to get that thing in the building. Um, I got a bunch of other stuff going on, but I think we're going to try to move the what's on my bench along pretty quick this week. So I got some, a production, a big production job going on. I got that poker table still. It's kind of, it had to have been back or had to be back because I got to finish up, uh, the table for the, uh, sky lounge for the job walk. I got to get that delivered by the 30th. So, uh, this weekend, my cousin and I are going to basically finish building that thing, assemble the whole thing, get it in clamps, get it done. Sand it all up, do all the edge treatment, and then uh, next week I'll be spraying it. So um, I had to order some custom metal for it. I ordered uh, a piece of angle from Bidwell, 
that's going to be coming in to attach to the wall. And then I've got another piece coming for, I actually decided to make a three by three angle plate to go in on the inside of the miter waterfall joint that I'm going to put threaded inserts in there just to give it a little bit more strength. Uh, so I'm going to do that. What's up, Pete? Hey, if somebody needed some C channel from Bidwell, is there a little discount code or something? Oh yeah. If you're going, if you want, if you're looking for, thank you, Pete. If you're looking for uh C channel, go to uh Bidwell, Bidwell's, uh, Bidwell, I should probably know the website. It's on my website. I'll, I'll go put to it links. in the show notes. Yeah, Pete will put it in the show notes, but use code COFFEE10 and you can get uh, – I mean, their C-Channel really is the best. I mean, it really is the best C-Channel. It's really great stuff. If you use that stuff, get theirs. And they'll do custom stuff too. I mean, they made me a eight-foot-long C-Channel to go the lengthwise down my – That was crazy. That was slab, big. So. That thing's yeah, made moving. It's so solid. Can they do yeah. W-Channel or Q-Channel? They'll do Q-Channel. Actually, the channel they made for me, we called it D-Channel because it's so big. No, all right. all right. You guys are gonna just ghost me. Outstanding. Right. Uh, Move it along. <laughs> Dan doesn't laugh. We went over this. Yeah, not the show. Dan's done with this stuff right now. Think so, about it, guys. Um, Think back to every single episode you've listened to. Dan has never actually laughed at a joke. Dan doesn't laugh. He doesn't, doesn't laugh. like humor. Yeah. For the None most of this part. is funny. It's kind of not his thing. I don't like I any that. of this. I love that people are legitimately going to question their lives right now. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I've got that. I'm working on a custom cornboard, cornhole board order, uh, and I've got some a realtor who is a customer of mine who I've got some stuff I'm trying to get done for him. I was hoping to get him done mostly today, but my laser's being kind of a jerk. Uh, there's other stuff going on, but I want to pass it to Pete. Oh, to me? Oh, oh. <clears throat> definitely ready. I mean, I can throw it to Dan. No, I got it. That's fine. No? No, yeah, I, I, I've just been keeping busy the whole week. I honestly, I blinked, blunked. Blinked and it's Thursday. Blunked. Like blanked, blunked. blunked. Thank you. Uh, and it's Thursday again. Blumpkin. I was like, oh my god, I have to, we have to record tonight. Uh, this week kind of flew by. Uh, I've been trying to knock out a lot of these. Like, we're getting to that point in the house where it's a lot of little, really little projects. Like, wrap all the pipes in the basement with some kind of like the hot water pipes because we would take it, the cold water or hot water would take forever <laughs> to get hot in the sinks because the basement's pretty cool. And we have to wrap all the pipes. I'm literally walking around. I walked around with WD-40 today, spraying all the hinges on the doors so nothing squeaks anymore. Thank goodness. Um, so you can sneak out? Yeah, I can sneak out. Exactly. Uh, made a, I had this pallet from when they delivered my generator. So I made, uh, I made a coffee ramp. Coffee table. I made a coffee table. I actually made a ramp into my shed <laughs> because this generator is 200 pounds dry. Nothing in it. No fuel, nothing. It's, just, it's so heavy. And I have about a an eight inch step into my shed. Oh. Everyone else on the block has a ramp on theirs. I don't, so I ended up just making a ramp out of the the pallet. Um, generator's great. It's nice to have it because we do lose power out here, and uh, <clears throat> you know it's gonna come in handy when for recording a podcast and we lose power. So that's exciting. Uh, what else? Well, um, will you still have internet though? Oh yeah, I guess you would. Oh uh, yeah, because that would be coax. Doesn't need power to yeah. Transmit. Doesn't need power yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? Oh yeah. So I said I'm I'm in my office. Anyone watching the video? I'm actually in my office. Uh, I thought that was time. a green screen. It's not. It's really here. <laughs> See. <laughs> uh, so I'm officially in my office because I set up my my desk and I am guys. I cannot tell you how in love I am with this setup. I got this large adjustable um, height sit stand desk from Vivo. It was on Amazon. And it's L-shaped, and you can adjust it up to, I think it was 
86 inches or something like that. I was like, yeah, 86 inches one way, <laughs> and then you could put a uh, a 56-inch return, which puts the whole thing at about 86 by 86. It's a massive desk, and it's able to lift everything up, no problem. I have my desktop, uh, three monitors, and laptop, and a you know, bunch of junk on here. So this thing's great. Um, and it's like, it's just Ikea butcher block on top, which is pretty hefty. So I was kind of concerned about the weight, but this desk is amazing. My back no longer hurts when I work all day in front of my desk. And if I, you know, get tired, I could just stand up and keep working. So big fan of that. Uh, aside from that, I worked on my buddy's van. Uh, my buddy Carmine, we've been doing his van for a couple of years now. Um, would that be the Randy Bovandy? Randy Bovandy. Yeah, that is the van. That's the name of the van. <laughs> um, so we, we finally put an insulation on the ceiling. He was running all the electrical with his dad. So that's all run. So we were able to finally, uh, close up the ceiling, um, put an extra layer of the, the pink foam that we all use for cutting stuff. Uh, you know, the track saw. He was using that for insulation in the walls and the ceiling. We put up some uh, Reflectix, that silver bubble wrap stuff. And then we finally put some plywood and the cedar uh, cedar planks. So we cut out all the pieces for these little, like, puck lights that are in there. And it's it's so amazing. It just looks so clean and cool in there with, with the cedar ceiling. So we want to, you know, keep that project going. Actually, I need to uh, investigate what happened with his... Remember I made that ch- large cherry tabletop for the van, for mm-hmm. the counter? Um, almost immediately after we sprayed it, like the next week or whatever, he was on yeah, a trip. Yeah, it was, like just, the, it was peeling or something? Not peeling, but he put a water jug down, and I guess it was a little wet or whatever, and it left a stain. So I guess maybe I didn't do enough oh. uh, uh, enough layers. I think we did three. No, water will do that. Water's going to do that <clears throat> to a film say- finish. With uh, it, Was that a lacquer finish? It was a uh, water-based uh, lacquer, yeah, sprayed. Three coats. Yeah, that'll do that. There's your problem. Yeah, also will. Oh, yeah. See, I'm still I'm still learning all my finishes. I used to just go. Yeah, polyurth- water left on there. It's not gonna. Because I used wipe on poly water, for years, <laughs> and that was always kind of like pretty robust. Well, wipe on poly will probably. Well, I believe poly will also. If you leave water on there, it's gonna get the. It's gonna get water damage. The mm-hmm. only thing you're gonna have that's gonna like really is like a Rubio or like a hard oil or like a hard or, wax oil finish. That, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking cured. too. It's got to be hydrophobic. <clears throat> so we gotta that, do. Yeah, we're going to have to do something a little more durable for that top just to obviously make sure it lasts. Aside from that, I mean, it's still smooth as hell. It just kind of got underneath and whatever. Yeah. We'll fix it. But I'm excited to be, keep working on this thing because now with the with the electrical going in there, uh, that's pretty dope. And I'm actually getting – I'm moving all the electrical from my old shed to this new shed uh, because I had like solar lights. Real quick, how how far did you move from your old house? It's like 40 minutes? 45 minutes. So is he <clears> near <throat> you now? With his van, or is he driving out to... No, ironically, he moved... So he's about 20 minutes... He was about 20 minutes from here, and that's where the van usually is, but he moved in the last uh, nine months to, like, five, ten minutes from where we used to live. <laughs> so, like, he's opposite... But he he's he's a big camping guy. He drives around, like, for fun. He'll go and drive four hours away, you know? That sounds so, awesome. So um, he doesn't mind to drive, and he, like... He's one of those friends that, like, when I invite him... I tell him, like, hey, you can stay here. You can legitimately stay here. And he's like, okay, yeah, like, I like you guys. Like, well, so he'll spend the night sometimes. <laughs> we'll work into the late, uh, late night, and then he'll spend the night the next morning, and we'll just, like, keep working on the van or whatever. So that's pretty dope. Because, you know, sometimes you invite people over, and they're like, oh, I don't want to impose. Whatever. Um, all right, last thing is uh, I just I got a really nice deal yesterday on a bunch of Bessie clamps, miscellaneous tools, a ton of hardwoods. 
um, and a ton of turning blanks. So I saw a listing pop up. I saw a picture in a dust collector. It was one of those listings on like marketplace where it was clear the pictures were not taken by a woodworker because none of the important <clears throat> bits were in there. They were just kind of general photos of random tools. But I saw this dust collector. It was uh, one of the big jet ones. That's like two grand, not two grand. I'm sorry. Um, it was like uh, 800, 900 bucks or whatever. I'm like, I, I could probably use that and maybe get rid of the red one. And I'm still going to get a bigger one eventually. And uh, by the time I got there, there was a guy loading up his truck. I was like, dang, you beat me to it. I go into this basement and like this guy's in like his 80s, <laughs> if not older. He's just trying to get rid of all this stuff. But he's, you know, he knows what it's all worth. He's that beautifully built furniture, this beautiful Rubo desk, uh, desk a bench that he's made, um, all handmade cabinets, everything in a shop. It's like, damn, this guy like has been doing work down here for a while. He had a probably... Dude, a pile the size of like a minivan of lumber in his basement. It was apparently all put in there by taking one of the basement windows out and putting it one board at a time into this basement. I straight up asked him, like, how much would you want for all this lumber? And he was like, 1500 I'm like, I'm legitimately That's considering so this. But oh it's so cheap. But it was like random woods. Some of it was like water damage. And there wasn't a ton of like hardwoods or there's some exotics. Um, I'm sorry. Not, two by four. I'm sorry. Not a ton of. Uh, no, it was it was all hardwood. It wasn't a ton of like walnut or whatever. It was like. I, I don't know. It was it was some of it was like a lot of dirty wood that I pretty sure was just like what? Oh, like no. some old growth pine or whatever. Uh, but I did get a bunch of like I got some butternut, I got some um, <clears throat> some hickory, a ton of uh, walnut, some white oak. Um, wait, white oak is a good one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, got some wenge, which I haven't worked with yet, so I'm pretty excited about that. Apparently, it's murder on your tools, so I'm very excited to try that. And um, and then he had I think it was like I ended up counting 18 turning blanks, and they're anywhere from two to six inches thick. And already, and this stuff has been in his basement for like 20, 30 years. So it's all dried. Wonderful. So uh, I started doing some work in my shed uh, today. Uh, I get, have to finish it up tomorrow. I'm actually going to be putting a lumber rack, my old one from my old shop, in there. So just have all the wood on the wall. Some pl- of the crappier plywood in there as well. And then uh, keep the really nice stuff in the shop. So I have those uh, Hungry Dong racks that Mike recommended. So I'll be putting yeah. those up in the shop. So hungry. Yeah, so hungry. And then I got I bought the most minuscule basic tool in Home Depot today, and I'm super excited about it. I bought two ninety nine s- cent clamp, flathead clamps. screwdriver. No, it oh. it was two husky um, sawhorses. They're just like basic sawhorses, the one, but the ones that like you know fold out the legs. You don't have to build the whole thing yourself. They're uh, like twenty bucks a pop. Yeah, they're like twenty bucks a pop. They're not like those like durable ones that are almost like a beam, and the stuff pops out of them, but. That's all I need them for. Mike, I see you using yours for spraying and finishing all the time. And I'm like, this is this would be so easy to do. I use my sawhorses all day long. Like, yeah, I see you using them. And I'm like, why don't I have sawhorses? I could totally use them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be busting them out. I'm gonna use them for painting and finishing outside and stuff. So pretty excited. I got those Bora ones, and they're fine, but those tough built ones look exactly the same, but have a couple more features, and they're like half the price. I wish I would have oh, bought really? those ones over the over the Bora ones. They're like fifty bucks per, I think. But they can hold like 1,300 pounds each. And on each leg, they have a little fold-out. So you can lay things on there on the side and work on them like standing up. Oh, really? Yeah, I was just looking at those the other day because I have yeah. nothing but those cheap plastic ones. 
Yeah, I want to. I want to get those tough built ones. They look really. nice. I saw a couple I, I that they had. They had the like part for like you can drop a two by four in there and make it a table with some plywood yep, over it. That's what the the tough built and the Bora has that as well. Oh, okay. That's pretty standard with the uh, with those like one. Yeah, so this is the tier class. like below it, and I was like, I really just want this for fit. I'm gonna spray it with paint. I'm gonna beat it up to hell for twenty yeah, bucks. You can't it beat it. Yeah, you can't even think about it. Exactly. You just so, gotta work on it. Yeah. And plus, I returned some stuff at Home Depot, so it's just they're free. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. All right, Dan, so what's on your bench? Uh, I mean, I'm still going to keep talking because Dan's definitely not coughing a lot. And <laughs> We're Dan, not highly concerned about Dan's physical state right now. Uh, Dan, I'm, I'm okay. Ish. Right, what's uh, let's see. It tastes this like burning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week. So today I just finished the, the second side table for my client with the live edge top. Uh, I really like the way that turned out. So I cut the legs on my CNC. I made a file, cut the legs on my CNC. And that way it complements the table that I made last week with the round top. Yeah. I think it looks great. Uh, of course, I'm I'm highly biased on this, but it looks phenomenal. I mean, I'm pretty much a genius. I'm, I'm a genius. This I'm like a you are. genius two designer. Two of seven tables, right? <laughs> two of like 59, I think. <clears throat> no, like... <laughs> They legitimately want, uh, at last count, they wanted 10 total. Damn. And I have two done, and I need to do eight more. Um, let's see. What else did I do? I think that's pretty much it. Just some CNC stuff. I, I never have, like, a big, exciting week like you guys. I feel like you gotta I'm missing out You got to write stuff down as life. it happens. I literally go through my photos because I document everything. I don't that's... document anything. Sorry, I kind of ran I had another over, but... story to tell, but I don't remember anything. I did want to give an update on the house thing. <clears throat> oh, uh, yeah. What's there's up? no update. There's oh. no update. <laughs> no, everything's been agreed upon and everything's ready to go, but we just have to get an appraiser out there. And mm. they can't. They can't get an appraiser anywhere. So, uh, Well, keep us apprised of the situation. Uh, <laughs> I know what I can add. I know what I can add. Well, I got go, something to go. <clears throat> So I've been – Chip, chop, chip. I, I blatantly ripped off coffee with coffee, and I'm I'm doing this drinks with Didi thing on Instagram. And the, I've turned that – <laughs> that's not caught on i'm I'm a little upset but <clears throat> anyway uh i i kind of turned that into a monday night live thing <clears throat> excuse me he's turned it into a monday night live thing i am covering because he has some sort of an infection and is coughing a lot <clears throat> yes uh this week i'm <laughs> i'm i have a cold or something and it's really hitting me hard right now but i'm different. i'm <laughs> it's hitting different <laughs> I'm trying to play this like Jordan with the flute. Is that someone's stomach? <laughs> oh, it's Max. <laughs> He's itching his own ear. <laughs> He's just oh, going God, to town on it. <laughs> anyway. It sounds like I, my stomach I was saying, when I watch TikTok. Jordan with the flu and he scored 60. That's what I'm doing here. I'm going to score 60. 60. Yeah, something score. like that. I don't know. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. I, I turned this drinks with DD thing into like a Monday Night Live with DD and... Uh, it's going well. I've had like three or four guests and uh, I'm going to continue doing it. It kind of, it was born out of like, uh, so Alcoholism. Instagram did this. <laughs> also that, <laughs> we're not supposed to talk about that out loud. Um, Instagram did this push a while back about uh, trying to get people to do lives and use their new feature called badges. And uh, it was born out of that. And I think I'm just going to keep doing it because it's been like a great thing. I, I really enjoy doing it. So. I really uh, like doing lives. I always have liked doing lives. 
Yeah, they they are fun, and I I like it. I like talking I with them. with people that you don't normally uh, talk with. So this Monday, so we're recording on Thursday. So Monday, uh, I'm gonna have uh, Blake from uh, Whipper Will Woodworks on. So that should be fun. Anyway, that's all I got to say. Continue. Three. All right, so we'll jump into the questions now. The first question, right? Yeah, questions? Yeah, we're doing good. First question's from uh, Adrian. Well, it says it's from Adrian, but I don't know the voice. Hi, boys. It's Barbara again. I know. I've been locked up. That's why. Me and Barbara sound alike right now. call you guys. Anywho, I heard through the grapevine. That you boys are going to be at the Makers Camp this fall in October in the Catskills. So, I just want to know, what are you most looking forward to other than meeting your girl Barbara at the Makers Camp? Yep, you heard it. I'll be there too. Can't wait to see you boys. Noogie, noogie, noogie. I don't know what that last part means, but it sounds like I need to bring I, mean, I stand by what we said in a pre-show. Don't meet your heroes, so we're, we're not going to meet Barbara. <laughs> we won't see Barbara the whole time. <laughs> She's too much of a hero. Um, I'll go first real quick. I'm most excited about – well, we're going – so we uh, the plan is for me and Dan to go out and see Pete. And then we found out that the maker camp is that same weekend, and that was not planned. On not level, planned so at all. So I'm going to bomb it and make it our meetup. I'm looking forward – <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to see, seeing Dan and Pete a lot. It's going to be really nice to get out there, uh, see Pete's new place. And uh, I'm really excited to see other makers. I just I haven't gone to any events since WorkbenchCon in 2020. And it was a really, um, it was a really great event for me. It, it, I made a lot of big decisions there about Coffee Custom Builds and how I wanted – I learned a lot of things from there about the business and how I wanted to do it. So um, those events are very good. I really like networking. Uh, like, you know, not just, you know, getting to have a drink or something to eat with some buds, but I also really like learning from people who have been doing it longer than me. So uh, not just the content side. I mean, like this Makers Camp isn't like a content thing. There's content creators there, but this is really more of like people building stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's more of what it's focused on. Like it was created for – people who build stuff more than it was for people who film themselves building stuff. So just excited about that. Pete. Uh, yeah, I'm stoked. And if, I mean, if anyone's in the Northeast up here or will wants to travel, we're going to be there on Saturday. Uh, we're going to just do one day cause it's two and a half hours from my house. So we're not going to stay the whole weekend. Uh, but yeah, if you guys want to hang out or whatever, the tickets are apparently going really fast. Uh, you can get like a $10 just watch. Ticket. You, if you want to touch, you it's a seventy five dollar ticket, uh, and then they have like the. Well, actually, looking is free. Look, well, touching the looking is ten dollars. It's a fancy <laughs> oh, place. <okay>. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Blackthorn Resort. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you don't you don't just get to look at Jimmy Duresta without paying. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'm just, I am very smells. stoked to meet all the makers and like I haven't been to Workbench Con, so like even just like meet Jimmy and some of the other. Big time makers from Calm local down areas. Well, just just to meet him, be like, I know him from. The, the, the he's got an TV entourage box. that keeps people away, like people like you away. Derek from all them. <laughs> um, but yeah, me just to meet everyone, all the makers, and like get to see the people that I've already made great friendships with. I mean, like I've met up with uh, Lee and Danielle, uh, and then Dre and Lucas a couple times already. So 
it'd be nice to see them again and hang out. Emma's coming. She's actually joining us. So um, she, she's going to ride shotgun and you guys can sit in the back of the Subaru. Oh, yes, can fit. That's fine. Mike is going to be Subaru tiny rat. by then. <laughs> but yeah, damn. the same height. I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> Kidding you? You sit in the front, relax. I'll strap her to the top. <laughs> Damn, what are you most excited for? I'm really excited to see Emma again. I miss her. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> no, I'm excited to to meet people that I haven't met yet in real in real life and see people that I've already met and uh, <clears throat> make new uh, friendships and network, like Mike said. And it's gonna be great. <clears throat> it's gonna be awesome. I'm. I'm uh, and this is a little plug for another show. I'm actually going to be, re- and I it only I'm only bringing it up because uh, Ethan Abramson is actually the MC for the Makers Camp, and he has a podcast, and I I I I had subscribed to it, and I didn't really give it a chance because I don't have any time. I don't really listen to any podcasts to be honest. I'm always kind of getting music going. It gets me going, especially this I, one. Yeah, well, honestly, this is the only podcast I listen to. It's fire. Um, <laughs> it really is the only podcast. <laughs> And it's mostly for checking for audio defects and stuff like that, but it ends up being amazing. So, um, but Ethan's got a show, a podcast, and God, I can't even remember the name of it. What a jerk. Um, Building a furniture brand. But I'm actually going to be, yes, building a furniture brand. And I listened to it and Chris, uh, Chris was on there with Cam Designs and I actually really, really enjoyed the podcast a lot. And it's really kind of niche though it's it's not like an entertainment show it's really about owning a furniture business and and it's informative i listened to it after you you told me about it checked it out yet i need to i really liked it a lot like i was like oh this is like really really geared towards a furniture business owner uh so it's real specific but the the bottom line is is ethan's going to be uh the mc for that event and i'm going to be on a show tomorrow we're doing a quick recording of that and it's just kind of small world kind of stuff so anyway uh check that out um, the next question is from Chad Hibbs. He has this to say. Hey guys, it's been a while since I called in, but had a question uh, this week. I'm wondering if any of you have ever used, um, any like products manufactured by, um, someone else in any of your, your builds. I'm not talking, you know, glue or uh, C channel or anything, but something like, a scenario that I recently did. So I had a client uh, I built a large dining room table for, and they had some specific legs that they'd found on Etsy that they wanted to use. So they ordered them and had me use them in the table build. Um, You know, I guess the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous is I'm not building them. I don't know the person that did build them. Um, So I can't really guarantee the the craftsmanship on them too much. Um, Just wondering if you guys have ever done this and how you approach it. Thanks a lot. I would say, uh, well, actually, Pete, you go first. Sorry. So I haven't really done a lot of things with other makers making parts of it. What I what I have done, and I feel like Mike's done this even more, which is take someone else's piece that they're working on and customize it, engrave it, finish it, whatever it might be, um, you know, to me, that's a little scary because it's like someone put hours into this to make it nice and you have to bring it to the 100% or at least, to, you know, the next level. Uh, and then maybe they finish the work like Mike Flat and slabs and engrave stuff for people. Like that's a lot of stress. But as far as like using something that another maker has made, I mean, I've I've bought uh, before like hairpinlegs.com, whatever. I bought hairpin legs from like 
people that just sold them on Etsy or other places. Like one time I bought them from a guy that just made them locally in Jersey. Um, so I've done some bases and when I used to just do like crafts and stuff, I would get supplies from Etsy as well. I, I never really liked buying stuff from Michael. So I would just get it from Etsy or again, you know, I guess marketplace at the time wasn't a thing. So it really was Etsy and whatnot, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've done it. Um, I mean, I don't think it was like as as serious of a uh, thing as like he he was dealing with, but yeah, I've done. I mean, it's a great way to support. Like some people, they're they're making their entire living just making an item for other items, or an item to make items, or whatever, an accessory or templates. Like I've sold a bunch of just cut out templates of just shapes, so that people can pour epoxy over them and make them pr- into pretty little murals and stuff. So, you know, Mike. Um. So for Chad's particular case, it sounds like these people picked out and maybe even bought the item. Uh, I would just make it clear. You can't warranty that at all. Like you didn't have anything to do with that. Just be like, hey, you guys wanted this. That's cool. No problem there. I'm going to build my thing and put it on top of this. That's not my problem on any level. So Chad, you should honestly for me as a business owner, when that if something like that came up, I'd be like, sick, less liability for me. I got nothing to stress about for that base. Not my problem. Something goes wrong with it, I don't have to hear about it. The top, that's all on you. Um, I use a lot of bases from uh, Bidwell. Uh, you know, I mentioned them earlier. I use bases from them because live edge furniture people just want the industrial bases right now at least in this area they just really want metal industrial bases and bidwell makes really good ones and that's one of my most valued trade partners is uh bidwell so uh they they do really good stuff and i i i know for a fact and it's one of the reasons why i work with aaron over there is because if something did go wrong with something he made it would get corrected and me and him would be able to work it out because we have a good relationship. So building those relationships is good. Uh, but someone who bought a base for you off of Etsy, that's not your problem. Just build your thing, get it on there, yep. make it clear, the ex- set the expectation that you can't in any way cover a warranty on that. Dan? Yeah, Mike uh, Mike took the answer right out of my mouth. And I'm going to keep my answers brief this week because, like I said, I'm not feeling the greatest. I'm not <coughs> like Jordan. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, if <laughs> – if Stevie uh, Jordan, no somebody Stevie brings you a base and says, build a top for this and use this, you know, you got to make it clear to them that you can't guarantee the base. That's not your thing. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, other than that, I've never used anything <laughs> other than like hairpin legs, like Pete said. I think I bought some uh, wood table legs from uh, tablelegs.com. Uh, you can get all sorts of. <laughs> hardwood table legs there or uh hmm, never heard of that yeah is it like it spun might, like it, laid like yeah they legs and stuff they're turned oh, okay. legs do yeah, they have you, like square legs too yeah or is it they, just have, they have all kinds yeah it's actually a pretty nice hmm. site um uh drawer slides i've bought drawer slides i've used those uh i've gotten some really bad ones off amazon so you got to be careful <laughs> <laughs> you guys might remember that <clears throat> From my stories. Mm-hmm. Those were very particular sizes, though, too. Yeah, they were like... The common like ones are a little... 34 inches or something. 34 like inches was, is what they were. Yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. Anyway, uh, hey, now's a good time to pimp that I sell bow ties. So if you want... To, <laughs> if you need bow ties, hit me up. Anyway, yeah, hit up Dan for your bow tie needs. We all sell yeah. things <clears throat> that people might use in their projects, too. So Yeah, yeah. we do. Mm-hmm. So. Call up uh, Crazy Dan's 
Bowtie Emporium for your all your <laughs> discount <laughs> Bowtie Emporium. Uh, this next question oh. is from John with I believe it's Huntington Builds. Hey guys, this is uh, John with Huntington Builds. My question is mainly directed to Peter. So I recently posted one of my 3D printed designs on one of the forums and a member reached out and suggested I sell them online and could I print and sell him one? So my question is, how do you go about pricing out your printed designs? I know the basic formula for woodwork, but what is the formula you use for 3D prints? And to expand upon that, how does everyone price out their CNC time? Thanks, guys, for the show. Keep up the good work. All right, so... (laughs) I mean, Pete, sorry, I forgot it was a 3D printed question. Pete? So the answer to this is is simple and complicated. So as far as like, how do you price it? I didn't know how to price it. You know, it was really, I would find similar items or items that are maybe someone makes out of metal or whatever and make it, you know, more competitive or make it uh, basically worth my time at the very least worth my time. Uh, but not to a point where like people are just going to, you know, cause it's when you 3d print something, it's plastic. It, you know, you're not selling a metal part. So it's you got you do have to make sure that you're pricing below that, uh, unless it's a very particular custom item. Then you know you you essentially you're providing a service, a very custom fab. You're providing fabrication at that point, and then that hourly rate is gonna you know go up. But the easy answer is you're you're simply going to go into Google or Bing or Ask Jeeves and just type in 3D price calculator. I'm sorry, a 3D printing price calculator. It's from Prusa Printers, the guys that actually make my printer. And they have everything from like, you can literally like track different jobs in there too. Uh, but you put in what kind of filament you have, what the printing time is, um, what the price per roll of filament. And each roll is usually one kilogram. Uh, Dan, kilogram is like a pound, but it's make-believe. Uh, yeah, I was and then, say, that's not yeah. real. Then you can literally, there's like a slider for markup. Like you can like, let's say, you know, when we do work, a lot of times we'll have like a 10% markup on material or whatever it might be. Uh, that we have to buy, and then your labor costs. Now, granted, with 3D printing, sometimes the labor might be five minutes or whatever because it's just prep time, but maybe you round up to an hour. Maybe like when I have to model a custom thing for people, I tell them it's $50 an hour for my time to model it, and then if you want to print it and ship, that'll be extra, but that'll usually be less. Uh, And then if they want multiple of that item, then the price goes down because obviously I just have to model it once, and then I just hit print as many times as I want. Um, so sometimes it is a little loosey goosey, but at the very least, if you're modeling it, especially get paid for your time, man. And this goes, and I know actually John was in a pre-show too. So he was asking if it's for other stuff, like for, for laser work, for, um, CNC work, it's, it's the same, you know, it, people get weird about it. I still have trouble pricing them out sometimes, including 3d printing items. Um, I just kind of, Sometimes we'll just raise the price until people stop buying and then I dial it back. Um, or my favorite, keep the price and put it on sale. I do that too. It's a nice <laughs> little strategy. But, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to price out. You just want to be competitive and you want to get paid for your time at the very least. Because there's plenty of things that I have found that I've designed or whatever. I will not sell because it's not worth it for me to sell. It's not wor- worth it for me to pay $3 in shipping for a $3 item. I, it's a wash for me. So... You know, I try to make sure that all my items are like $7 to Shirt $25. Buttons. Yeah, like the shipping sometimes doesn't make sense. On, on can you 3D items. print a shirt button? You can't. Heck yeah, sure. you can. Yeah. So make it worth your time, you know, and if they come, 
at you with a file, you know, it's already done, whatever, and then, yeah, charge them for the print anyways. Mm-hmm. At least do basic cost of it and shipping if that needs to happen. Anyways, that was a long rambly answer, but check out that site. That's going to make it a lot easier. Whatever price it ends up with, feel free to raise it or lower it, however you feel about it. But at least it will give you a ballpark answer. Cool. That's it. Did you want us to answer that? Yeah, I think he asked about CNC pricing too. Um, yeah, did he actually ask in this question? But like for CNC pricing, I'm actually terrible at it. I'm Mike, I was going to actually pick your brain um, about it because you do a lot more CNC pricing now than i do so i would love to pick your brain about it charge a, co- a few different rates for different things so basically if someone comes to me with a file on a thumb drive that i can put into my computer and open up an aspire and immediate and very quickly make tool pathing for charge them 125 dollars an hour if it's for if i have to do any design time i charge them 50 dollars an hour and i do not prorate that it's by the hour if it takes me 20 minutes, it's an hour. That's I'm very firm on that. So, um, I round up the and hours. then for, um, makers, local makers and woodworkers, uh, I could consider, I have a business to business pricing. Um, I won't discuss that, but I, it's a lower rate for business to business. If I have other makers and I'm doing stuff for other makers, it kind of varies. Uh, but I really try to help out local makers as much as I can. Um, if they've got, um, I've got a guy locally, uh, Chad, over at Rescue Woodco. He brings me a lot of tables and slabs to flatten for him. I give him a really good rate because he gives me consistent work with that. And he refers a lot of work to me as well, stuff he can't do. And he gets, So business to business where I have like business relationships, I definitely take care of those people because I will have lots of business with them. Um, and then corp- or commercial customers are, are higher rates uh, because there's – when you start doing commercial work, there's just more liability. So you kind of want to up those numbers no matter what on everything, every single part of it. Um, they not only can they be a difficult customer, but they can have a lot of lawyers to make it even more difficult for you. So make sure everything's buttoned up there, but you really want to um, – also, they have the money. So uh, get the money where you can. So if they – I mean, my cor- my commercial customer rate is higher. Um, it just kind of is for all commercial work. Everything's higher for commercial rates. It just is what it is. There's more hands involved. There's more process involved. There's more administrative involved. So I charge more. And that's that's typically anywhere from 150 to 175 dollars an hour, unless it's production run. Then production runs, I start looking at the overall hours, and I figure that out to a number that makes sense. Because you can kind of be like, I mean, 170, 150 to 175 dollars an hour adds up really, really fast. Yeah. And you could price yourself out of a job pretty quick. So you got to kind of look at it. So if you got like two hours of work and you charge 300 bucks for it, that makes sense. But if you have like some ceiling tiles like I'm making and they take five hours per sheet uh, just for CNC time, that would be an outrageous amount of money to charge them for those things. And there'd be no reason for them to pay that much. They could just go have a a custom run done by like a real big CNC shop. And then I'm just going to lose the job and it doesn't make any sense at that point. So um, anyway, Dan. Well, I think <clears throat> I think uh, the the software that we all use, we all use Aspire, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that that gives you an idea of how long your your file is going to run. So you know, I'm like Mike. If it's if it's a 20 minute run, you know, I'm I'm charging at least an hour, and you know, I charge them my hourly rate. I don't think it's quite as high as Mike's. But I'm not in California, and I'm not running as well, big also, of runs as Mike's. Also, your machine doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it's got a scale. Like you're right. Yeah, you're, my thing will do something in three hours. It'll take yours five hours. Exactly. So you can't charge more for a machine that takes longer. <clears throat> just and then, uh, 
you know, you have a, you have a rate for design time. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty basic like that. I, I'm still new at CNC, so I haven't like worked out all the kinks on how I price that up. You know, it's like Mike said, you know, you, you got to charge something that kind of feels right too. Like if, if you're charging something in, in the, the numbers say, well, it should be $5,000 and it's not, you're looking at it like, is it really $5,000 though? You don't want to outcharge yourself. So yeah. Yeah, you got, it's got to you, you got to feel it out a little bit too. And look at yeah. other things in the market, like Etsy, especially for handmade items. Etsy is a great place to look. If everyone's charging fifteen dollars for an item that you think you should be charging thirty five, yeah, list it, but you might have a hard time selling it. You know, I think so. if everyone's selling it for fifteen bucks, um, on you also might not be worth it like for you. Well, I just don't like looking at Etsy for those kind of things because, I mean, if I mean realistically, if there's something for like fifty bucks, everyone's selling for fifty bucks. You should probably be at least selling it for seventy bucks because you're still going to get those sales. You can market it in a way. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, I, th- I think I think you can definitely look at different things and price them. I mean, people will bring me a something for for work, and they'll be like, "Oh, um, I can get this on Etsy for like, uh, for an example, I had a laser item. They said, "Hey, we can get this for three dollars a piece." I was like, "Great." I can't I'm do be that. $20 a piece. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Um, and then you go down and do scroll <laughs> down and they want to charge $14 per to ship it. So now the price is the same. So you need to look at all this stuff. Like not everyone's using free shipping. Mm-hmm. Or then you'll look at some listings where they're like, they're like cutting board, uh, it's $16.99. And you're like, $16.99 for a cutting board? You go in there. None of the things are actually priced at $16.99. It's like cutting board is one of the line items. But then you have to choose one of the options for a drop down to, oh, did you want a cutting board made out of wood or a fake one? Because we can make you a <laughs> fake one for $16.99. But if you want one made out of wood, it's going to be $59.99. Yeah. So there's these tricky ways people use the listings in Etsy. So you really got to kind of dig into those and not just look at the surface too. People get really um, uh, dishonest with some of the way they list some of those things on Etsy in my opinion. Um, anyway. Um, this next question is from Josh from 507 Woodworks. It's Friedrich. Josh. Anyone? Josh? Josh. Hey, guys. It's Josh from 507 Woodworks here. Uh, thanks again for answering my question last week. Appreciate the Raz giving back. Um, anyways, this week's question for me is I want to expand my portfolio um, and items that I can make for future clients. Um, but I don't necessarily have the room just to sit on the items once they're built. Um so I guess I'm wondering, would you just bite the bullet and build these items so you can get photographs of them and display these items to clients or on your website or whatever and just have them take up space until they sell? Or would you wait until a client actually comes to you and says, I want said item, and then you can go ahead and build it? Um, just kind of curious about what other people would do in this situation. Um, thanks again for answering. Looking forward to the answers. Have a good one, guys. I'll answer real quick so we can get fast. We got several more questions, and I want to get Dan done with the night. So uh, I wouldn't build it for. I wouldn't build something just to make the listing ever. I don't build things unless I have someone already have a deposit for it. That's my business model. There are people who do build things and get them ready for a listing and sell them that way. And they, there are people who are successful at that. That worries me. I don't have the space for it either. For me in my position, I don't have the space to store it. And I don't I don't want to be building I don't want to be spending time on something unless it's already sold. That's kind of where I'm at. The only exception to that is if I can use it in my home 
as a piece of furniture and then I can take a picture of it. That's another part of when we move, we're getting rid of a majority of our furniture unless I've made it uh, because I want to start making this stuff for the house so I can start putting those pictures on my website. So if you're trying to market yourself as someone who can do custom woodwork, it's kind of hard to do. You can show examples of your stuff, but you just have to be very clear in your verbiage on your site or wherever you're promoting yourself to say, you know, this isn't all we do. We can do anything else. You got to somehow figure out and make that work in your own verbiage where you're, that's what it says on my site. Like I have my, my page where it has all my products and my projects and it says at the very top, these are things I've made, but I can also make anything. If you can come up with an idea, we will work out the design together kind of a thing. So that's kind of the fun part about custom woodworking. But um, I have no experience with building to sell. There are guys who do that. I'm just not one of them. So I can't answer that. I would only <clears throat> build something if someone's paid for half of it. Pete, I think Dan wanted to go. Dan, go first. Yeah, if you're I'm sorry, Dan, it's a tough situation to be in. Actually, um, if you're just starting out, you know, it, it's tough to get your name out there, and, and people are going to want to be able to see what you're what you're offering. And a lot of times, people aren't going to buy if they can't see it or touch it or or at least see Smell a picture it. of it. You know, so if it's a smaller item, just bite the bullet and make it. And yeah, if you have to give it away, give it away. Yep, give it away. That's totally. what I did. I I made a lot of things and I just gave them away. Or or like Mike said, you know, you you make them for your house, like that, like the chair back there, like the desk, like the the loft. If you're watching the video, you can see me pointing at everything. I made that uh, treadmill to prove I can do it. Yeah, see there it you go. Work. That's something I didn't mention, Dan. Good point. Yeah, in the uh, beginning with the small stuff, make stuff and give it away for almost cheap, basically. Yeah. You just you just kind of have to bite the bullet so you can get examples of what you can do. Um, I think that's all I got, Pete. Uh, I actually, uh, I think of the three of us, I do the most of make to sell. Uh, so yeah, I I make a lot of the smaller, especially with like cutting boards or uh, bottle openers or whatever. Because like I'll, I like to have some of them. Like the one year I had a lot of cutting boards because I was supposed to be. Uh, uh, some trade shows, but uh, COVID, huh? But, you know, it was, it actually worked out really well to have some of these things in the shop because there's always going to be somebody that's like, hey, do you have any cutting boards? Like, uh, some, yeah. I'm looking for something like this. Like, I need it like today. I'm like, well, I don't have that, but I have these. And then, you know, they'll probably go for one of them, but they, they might see something that they like. Plus, it's also good to, you know, you're saying you're trying to build up a portfolio. You make the item, you figure out, Maybe a process for it. Might it might be useful to do that. And then you also can get some product shots and have a nice listing. You know, you got those 10 photos to upload to Etsy. Use all 10 if you can. Maybe make a little video of just you panning around that cutting board or around that, whatever it might be. And you know, hey, you have it in a shop and you have one in stock. Um, and you can make it so it's, you know, being made constantly. So like you sell that one, you make another one or you just sell that one and you're out of stock and then you can do a restock or whatever it might be. Uh, but at the very least, you have a tangible item you can take good pictures of because if you've never made an item and you're trying to build up a portfolio, well, you got you got no, nothing to take pictures of. You can do renders, but it's not the same as a photo of like a real thing. So make it. Why yep. not? It won't hurt. Unless it's like a Alaskan king size bed, yeah, or that, yeah, or like <laughs> giant. You just make it give away table. table. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, a little bit the, of inventory the, the is fine, but you don't want to live with inventory all over the place. Absolutely not. Yeah, uh, that's a very good point. 
Uh, Josh the Dad has this to ask or say or something. I don't know. Josh the Dad. Hey, guys. It's Josh the Dad. Yeah, Josh the Dad, one of the big IG. I have a question, but of course it comes with a story. Mm-hmm. Yesterday I was working at my kitchen table putting a laser together. It was kind of fun. And my wife was asking me about something like doll rods or something. And just by chance, I went out to the shop to get a screwdriver, and I caught her out there cutting doll rods in half with a hacksaw. Have you ever caught your spouse, loved one, significant other in your shop doing something very inappropriate with a saw? Just curious. Dan. This is why I'm on my second wife. (laughs) No, I'm joking. I'm not on my second wife. Uh, Kayla, my wife. What's that like? I'm sorry. (laughs) Forgot. Uh, Subtle attack. My nice. my my wife won't go anywhere near my shop. It's never been a problem. She wants. She will not touch anything out there. So it's not a problem over at DDWW over here. What about you, Mike? Uh, my boy likes to come in the shop a lot. He doesn't. He knows not to go near any of the saws. So no, no one's ever. I've never walked in on anyone doing anything they shouldn't. I mean, I've had some local woodworkers come over sometimes, and I'm like, what are you doing? Hey, why don't you just put that down? Uh, I've definitely seen some weird behavior. I'm reminded of of Step Brothers. You do not touch these drums. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've I've never ran into that before. Pete? My dad. All the time. Remember when he started your trash on fire? (laughs) Yeah, that was fun. My my dad, he's a very... very He's a wicked smart dude, and he, he's very creative. That Polish engineering is, is just flowing through his Polish blood. And Submarine, uh, what is it, the submarine screen door? Yeah. yeah that's, hey, it's, <laughs> it's different outside the box. Outside under the, the water. Um, but he would, he, it's not that he would do something, like, wrong, but a lot of times I'd, like, walk into the shop, and he's, like. But it'd be bad. He'd be doing something. <laughs> I'd be, like, well, that's. I, that's one way to do it. That's creative. You're kind of thinking outside the box, but like you could have just also gotten me and I could have just made that cut or done this thing in 10 seconds with this tool, you know, like right, meanwhile, he's, he's doing like radius doing cuts a, on the table. Saw. He's like doing like random stuff or like he's, yeah, he, he honestly, he wouldn't even turn like he, he was on the table saw, he like a, a table saw. saw guy. He was like, he would maybe use the bandsaw and like the router table. And that's it. Even the router table, he'd be like, you set it up, you turn it on, and I'm like, okay, okay, it's just a router, calm down. Um, but like he would just he would not ask for help and just like find creative ways of doing stuff. And I'm like, dude, just ask me. There, look at this. And I would open up the cabinet, like this tool right here. This is what you're supposed to be using. What are you doing? So um Yeah, all the time. But now I'm happy to be in a shop. I, I'm not gonna lie, I do miss my dad being like in a shop and helping out uh with random things. I miss cause he would sand for me. It was great. Um but, you know, it's going to be nice to, like, have all my stuff in a spot and then not have it moved ever unless I move it. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Until you guys come over and you, you guys put your hats on the drum set <laughs> on the table set. Yeah. <clears throat> my hat. All right. Andrew Smith. He has this to say. <laughs> What's up, guys? It's Andrew from Smith Builds on Instagram. Uh, got a question this week regarding the ideal specs for a bandsaw. Uh, I buy almost all of my tools used simply because that's where I'm at financially and what I can contribute to my shop at the time. I've got a small space, which is also a bit of a limitation, but I'm finding that resawing on my table saw is not an ideal situation. 
And so I'm looking at acquiring a bandsaw also because I'd like to do uh, some more template-oriented work and maybe some <clears throat> work with curves, which I'm not able to do with what I have, short of doing everything with a jigsaw, and I'm not super happy with my skills in the jigsaw. That said, aside from cut depth, because you need a lot of it to do a decent resaw, and preferring at least a 14-inch bandsaw, are there other specifications I should be looking out for, including things like the power of the motor? Uh, it seems like most of the stuff that's out there is between three-quarter and one horsepower. If I had the option to go with something bigger, like a one-and-a-half or a one-and-a-quarter, would that be preferable? Um, or are there any other specifications I need to be looking out for in terms of what capacity or size blade it can take? Appreciate your thoughts. Anything for someone who's new and maybe looking at some used options through Marketplace or Craigslist? Uh, I'd appreciate your thoughts. Thanks. Dan? Well, I think we we touched on this a little bit in the pre-show. Uh, I think a lot of the the quote-unquote better bandsaws that have at least a one-and-three-quarter horse uh, motor. Any – so that – man, words are hard. <clears throat> Sorry. You can say pass. <laughs> no. It's fine. I just completely oh. lost my train of thought. Um, bandsaws. Big bandsaws. blades. Big motors. Big battlestar. Any blast. saw that's – any bandsaw that's going to be able to do a decent resaw is going to have a, a, a better – motor a bigger motor like a, a one and three quarter horsepower motor like i said any of those bandsaws that have the smaller motor i think they're going to struggle a little bit with the resaw even if they have the capacity uh i think pete had mentioned uh the delta or the grizzly you know yeah. it's you can get a riser block for it but if it if it doesn't have the stronger motor you might struggle a little bit um also there's more to it than just a, a good blade i mean you have to tune the machine properly too oh, yeah. i mean if it's not tuned right i mean it, you can still get drift and i think that's that's really key is tuning the machine right getting your fence nice and square getting your the tension on your blade correct get your guide set correctly uh, it takes some time and it's worth it if, if you if you set your machine up correctly I, it, it it really makes the difference pete do you have anything to add and save me from this disaster that I sure. just spewed. Well, I, I totally agree with you. I think the <laughs> one and three quarter horsepower is, is uh, I think what you, sh you should be looking for as your base, like as the, the, the minimum you want to go with. The good news is that's not hard to find. Um, no, it's most, pretty standard. Most of those like that standard, when you say bandsaw, that word comes, uh, the thought comes to mind of like that rounded top, rounded bottom, grizzly, jet, delta they're all like very similar body they all came out of the same like three factories over the last like 20 30 years or at least at this point like 40 years um those are all great options they all or for the most part they will all have um one and a half to one three quarter horsepower motors just standard and i would recommend look for one that can take a riser block uh that i like i have the delta that i've restored and i can put a riser block in it I just need to get one. I just haven't gotten around to getting it. And then I ended up getting the the Laguna. I might still put a riser block in there because you go from, with a lot of these, it's not even six inches. It's like five and like three quarters or five and a half, depending on what kind of setup you have on there for the guide. Uh, so then you will get almost 12 inches of resaw with that. Now, the other thing is like, 
your the bands that are on the wheels. So you want to make sure you have decent ones or they're at least in good shape because then you have slipping, yeah. drift, things like that. <clears throat> you got to dial it in like Dan said. You got to have decent guides. That's going to make a heck of a lot of difference. A decent blade is going to help you. And even like swapping, uh, a lot of these are belt driven. So swapping the belt, that, like the rubber belt that has memory for those, the link belts, because uh, that'll take a lot of wobble out of the machine. So it'll run a lot smoother. So if you you're talking one, about the belt between the the motor the, and the actual the, bottom wheel that rotates. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, thank you for calling that out. So that's things to consider when you're looking at these. It sounds like you're leaning towards one that you want to pick up kind of secondhand and maybe tune a little bit or, or whatever. I highly recommend that because you can get a good deal. Now, if you have the money, look at something in a two horsepower and up because they're definitely worth it. Something that's already got the full height. Uh, like the Laguna, I think uh, the Rycons, I, I think Grizzly has a bigger <laughs> one as well like that. It might be worth to, to just get that, you know, buy once, cry once. If you're looking for something to restore, go with the other route. I think if uh, if they pick up a two horsepower motor, though, they might be drifted into the uh, two, 220 volt territory. So if, if you don't have that in your shop, well, that might possibly. be something I mean, to consider. Like the Laguna we have. Uh, <clears throat> That's the- one and three quarter horse. I thought it was two and oh two and a half. That's right. On two twenty, it's two. It's two twenty. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Thank you for that. That is a good correction. Um, there's nothing wrong with two twenty. No, no, there's no, nothing wrong yeah, with it. You just yeah. got to make sure that yeah, you, if you have you the have two, if you have the, the power, capability, go for it. Mike, what do you think? Uh, so yeah, I mean, you guys covered everything. I'm, I'm seeing a lot. I don't know what's going on right now. It's obviously probably regional, but I'm seeing a lot of really good use tool deals on Facebook marketplace right now. I don't know if I think uh, during COVID, a lot of people got into woodworking and I think that there's people that are actually upgrade on like their series of upgrades right now. Um, I don't know what's going on around me. I'm seeing like really nice powermatic planers and jointers and uh, a bunch of Laguna stuff. Well, actually not a lot, not a lot of Laguna stuff, but I'm seeing just, I'm seeing pretty big machines that I don't typically see on the marketplace that are going out there. Do you think it has um, anything so to do with the fires? No, I, that just happened. I mean, I mean, it could, but it looks like a lot of, um, it looks like a lot of like the listings are like, you know, middle-aged dudes. It looks like they might be upgrading their shops from what I can see. Um, and then I, there's a few of them where you can tell it's like someone just got a divorce and the wife is getting rid of the tools, you know, it's like she'll have, I'll see some of them where like the tools are just like crazy cheap. And then I'll see the listing for like a crazy price and then there'll be like a hundred comments on it. Like, is it available? Is it? And then the next day the price is like doubled to where it should be, you know, like they just don't know how much it's worth. They like kind of gauge it based on reactions. So, but anyway, the point is, um, uh, you need a lot of power to do a resaw and, and it's not so much, I mean, you need the raw power, but when you get these bigger blades, the reason the bigger blades works for a resaw is because they have the bigger gullet Mm. and that bigger gullet is important to remove the chips. And yep. you need to all you're having you need to get all those chips out of there when you're cutting. When it slices, it puts that stuff into that gullet and pulls it down and then ejects it out. So you need power to do that. Um, and the the higher your resaw gets, the more your capacity is for that. You just need more power. You just gotta have more power. It's just not gonna do it. So some of these like one horsepower, um, like the G zero five 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 and some of the deltas, you can throw another six inch riser block on there and get like an eleven and three quarter, eleven and a half inch resaw capacity. Yeah. There's probably a lot of wood you're not gonna be able to actually resaw at that capacity because the motor just isn't there. So those machines are really like a one to one and a half horsepower machine is great for radius cuts 
It's not going to be something you can reliably use for resong. You'll be able to do resong on there. You'll have to go low and slow. Anything. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to take forever. So yeah, a lot of time. Uh, I would say definitely look at your one and a half to one and three quarter machines like the 1412, the Rikon machine. Um, Grizzly has a deluxe version of the 555. I believe they get you a bit more horsepower. Mm. Uh, you can look at the Powermatic. They have their standard machine that looks exactly like the Delta, um, but it's got a beefier, beefier motor in there. So look for some bigger stuff. Um, Bandsaw is still to this day my favorite tool in the shop. I just love that tool so much. Um, so I say just go crazy. But on the flip side of that is I was actually just talking today to Justin over at Rustic Grain Designs. Um, and he just sold his bandsaw. He bought a brand new one of those Harvey Ambassador ones, the three horsepower 18 inch guy. Damn. He ended up using it twice. It just, it doesn't do that because he does built-ins. He, he doesn't does need a bandsaw. So it kind of depends on what you need. But if for Robert's question, he sounds like he needs and wants a bandsaw for his shop. Robert? I say get Andrew. a good one. It's yep, it's Andrew Smith, 100%. <laughs> um, Andrew, for Andrew's uh, looking looking for it, so I'm assuming he has a need for it. So I say get yeah. a good one because if you if you start getting into That's like the it, good yeah. bandsaw world, they're just so usable. They're, yeah. they're for just so. listen. If you're doing woodworking, general woodworking, a bandsaw is one of the best tools you can have. That's why I kept my. Uh, I got lucky. I was able to keep my uh, my Delta, and now I get to do the Mike Coffee dual bandsaw wielding. So, it's nice yes. having two. It's, it's so nice because then I can really keep yeah. one for resaw and the other one's for, for, for detailed work. And I have the Carter guys on there. I've upgraded, tuned everything. It was a shame to sell it. So I'm very happy. So I'm glad you didn't get rid of it. It's good to Hell have. Hell yeah, man. Um, this next question is from Tommy G. Love that guy. Go. Hey, guys. Thomas G here from Thomas Custom Woodworks on Instagram. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on cure times. So I just built a desk and I use General Finishes Armor Seal and the cure time for that product is 30 days. And I don't mind waiting the 30 days, I'm in no hurry and it's gonna get a lot of use. And so I want it to be as durable as possible. But how lenient or strict are you all on cure times? And maybe it depends on how much wear the and use the product's going to get that you're building. Um, but just uh, excited to hear your thoughts on on how long you wait before you either use the item or deliver it to your customer. Thanks, guys. Dan. Well, <clears throat> if it's something that I make for my own house, you know, I'll take it in as soon as it's dry, and I can monitor it in my own house, so I can I can see how much use it's getting, and I can yell at the kids if they're not using a coaster or whatever. If I'm sending it off to a client, if if, if it's got a cure time of like 30 days, you know, I'm not going to hold on to it for 30 days. That's a lot of shop space <laughs> that's it's taken up. I'll give it to them like after a couple days and say, hey, look, you can use this, but here's what you need to do. You need to take it easy and not, you know, have dance parties on it until after 30 days. So, you know, you just got to be mindful and, and at least uh, communicate that to the client. Expectations and all that. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I usually put the ball in their court. I mean, it's their product. I mean, it's their thing I made for them. I could, I'll tell them, hey, this thing has a cure time of this amount of time. I can either hold on to it for you somewhere and you can wait for it to be done. Or you as an adult can listen to what I told you and handle it yourself. And so yeah. I can. So it, typically they just take it and they will hold it onto their thing and they'll do their thing. And if I have it, I'll, I'll usually have that conversation in email nowadays uh, just for liability reasons. And I force them to respond. 
Uh, yeah, really no good response writing, from emails. A good idea. Yeah, so people don't say, "Oh, I didn't get the email." Make them respond. So, I'll, like, I just did a delivery for some tables. I said, "Hey, this has a five day cure time. I want to make sure that you can wait the five days." And then she didn't, re- or the customer didn't respond right away. So I actually texted the customer and said, "Hey, could you respond to that email? I just want to make sure we have it. We're on the same page here. Uh, have it in writing." <laughs> so just make sure they're good about it. And then as soon as they say that it's okay, then you just give it to them and you can't, you don't need to worry about it anymore. You have it in writing. So there's some finishes I use. Uh, one of them takes 21 days to be water cured. And um, I just tell the customer and I have never really had any pushback on that. <laughs> I don't really get any pushback. I just make sure that they know it. And then they say, that's great to me. And then we move forward and it's not my problem. Put the ball in their court. And make sure you have it somewhere that it's easy, easily referenceable so that they can't uh, come after you. Liability. Anyway, Pete. No, I agree. I, I just follow whatever the manufacturer recommends. The, they they got to figure it out for a reason, you know. And if you're messing with the formula a little bit, maybe do some test stuff if, if, you, if you can or test it on your own furniture in the house. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I like to not even hand off to the customer until the initial, you know, you know, can be handled or light use right. after whatever, two days or a day or three days. <clears throat> I, I don't like to even hand off the piece until that moment. Because uh, sometimes people are like, I need this tomorrow or whatever. And like, well, you can't use it. Like, I know you <laughs> yeah. want You don't want to be packaging stuff up while yeah. while the finish is still I, wet. <laughs> I've made that mistake. I've like, oh, this is, this is cured. It's been 24 hours. And then like, I wrap it up and they like unwrap it and like... The, the wrapping stuck to it in some spots because of the heat. It's like, well, now I got to take it back and refinish it. So much for your, your rushed gift, you know? So stick to it. And Mike is right. Get it in writing, especially if, if it's a client and it's a bigger job. I mean, cover your butt. That's good advice for anything, though. Yeah. Like if you're if you're working with clients, get it in writing e-mails somehow. Emails always, always do emails. Yep. That's why, I mean, I, as soon as anyone calls me about anything for like an inquiry, I use Jobber now. I've got that link. I can, li- I say, is this a cell phone? And they say yes or no. If they say yes, I'll say, can I text you this link? You can fill this out. We can get the conversation going on email. I don't, I can't remember all these yeah. effing projects that these that I've got like trying to go with these people. I'm doing all these projects right now. <clears throat> I've got five or six times more than that in requests and I don't get every job. So there's so many, I can't remember all of them. I can't remember these people's yeah. name. I have to name them the thing that they want me to build. Like when I set these requests up in Jobber, I can't remember them. I can't remember. I've got a lady who wants a set of spa stairs. I got some guy who wants a table. I got some guy who wants two bar. I can't remember any of these things. I have to remember things about them with the title I use them. Uh, and that just helps you stay on top of things. So just use email and a thing that, and, and archive it in a way that you can actually search it in, or index it in a way that you can actually search those things. Because if you're like in a pinch, like if you're driving somewhere and you get that call, oh, hey, we got this and we were using it. And then, you know, now it's got a smudge or whatever. This is some weird <laughs> random made up scenario. But, you know, you can be like, dude, I told you you had to wait five days before you were using it. You know, and then you're like, oh, and then you just forward them the email. That's I just forward them that email with that <clears> conversation, <throat> and then you sure. never you will you won't hear back. I'll you fix just it. Won't hear back. Pay for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, or t- typically anything like that I've ever had, I just don't hear back. I never hear back from them yeah. again. So, um, anyway, just cover your butt because people can, uh, people become like a, a wasp backed into a corner when they feel like they're about to be out a bunch of money they just spent on something, mm. and that's the other thing. These these things that you make people are really expensive. 
Um, and it's kind of a hard decision for a lot of times for some people. So they got to really make an investment. So you really want to make it clear to them, you know, this three to $10,000 table they just bought from you. You need to handle it this way. You need to take care of it this way. Uh, this is the best thing you can do. You know, of course, this table is going to get dings and scratches on it because you're going to use it. You just can't, there's no finish that exists that makes it impervious to damage. It just doesn't exist. There's no such thing. <clears throat> so here's what you need to know to make that period of time of it looking good the longest. So you just have those conversations. Hell yeah. So anyway, uh, sorry we went so long, Dan. We were trying to go fast. Uh, we got a written in question. Soon. We should. Uh, oh, I'll read it. I'll read it. I'll read it. Let me find oh. it. Um, I already got it up. I can read it. Oh, you do? You got it up, huh? Question for you fellas. This is from Ryan over at Old Glory Woodworks. Oh, you mean Dan uh, and Friends? <laughs> Dirty Dan right, and the boys. <laughs> question for Dan and Friends. Sickly Dan <laughs> and the boys. <laughs> Ryan says, I may be moving 1,600 miles if all goes... Oh my. <coughs> I'm sorry. I'll do it. I got this. Yeah. I got this. Ryan says, uh, I may be moving 1,600 miles if all goes well. Beyond packing the essentials of your home, what's the best way to move my garage shop? Table saw, CNC, drill press, bandsaw, planer, plus much more. All my shop furniture, outfeed table, rolling carts, the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, the thought of it all stresses me out more than moving the house. Best ideas? Sell it all and start over. U-Haul, pod, FML. Help. <laughs> Sorry about that, by the way. I didn't mean to. Uh, no worries. To <laughs> call I, along. I was. Uh, <laughs> very funny. <laughs> I was. Uh, the I was, show title we, right there. Two, <laughs> two, two coffees, coffees. One pee. <laughs> <laughs> Is that going to work? Because uh, it, it's like C-O-U-G-H. Coffee, yeah. coffee, and Pete. Yeah. I don't know. Right. That was pretty good. Coffee, funny, coffee. Though. Okay, anyway. I'm writing this down light, live in the middle of the show. We still got to um, laugh. It's fine. It was good. We don't need to overthink oh, it. Well, that was um, a nice sound, wasn't it? I am absolutely. What? What's up? Go, no, go ahead. Well, I was going to answer while you're writing, but yeah, answer. I, I'm absolutely overwhelmed with what about about moving my shop, and I'm only moving at 20 miles from here. Originally, when we were looking at moving, we wanted to go to Montana, and uh, that move was real daunting. There was a lot of times where I was like, "I'm just going to sell everything here as much as I can, and then I'll just buy new over there." Uh, or buy used or just buy the same item, but, you know, so I have the same setup. But I didn't want to move it. Obviously, you take depreciation in that. <clears throat> and sometimes having to rebuy a tool you pay like a few hundred bucks more for, again, is easier than <laughs> moving it, it feels like sometimes. But obviously, if you can move it all, move it all. Um, but, man, I would really say buy yourself a trailer because you can pack a lot of your own stuff in there. But also hire a moving company. There's some tools like the CNC. I don't know that I trust a CNC with a moving company. I guess it came on a freight company, but that thing was crated and saran wrap. Every single inch of my CNC was covered in saran wrap from top to bottom and crated up in, in like really nice scenario. I don't think I could crate it up that well. And I don't know how stoked I'd be if I unloaded my new shop and my biggest money-making tool uh, needs a repair that I've got to pay for out of pocket or I've got to wait for some insurance company to cover and who knows how long that part's going to take, especially right now. I don't know if uh, for these larger CNCs, I don't know what he's got for a CNC, but for these for the CNC, CNCs right now, parts are like taking a really long time to come in from Taiwan right now because of all the issues with COVID, supply and demand. I mean, I know that some people are putting down 
deposits for CNCs and they're being told four months minimum because of the chip issue, the chip shortage and stuff. So, um, I mean, I don't know. Shoot, I it's, bought mine two months ago. I'm still waiting on it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, um, it's really daunting. I mean, I, I, I don't really have a great answer. I, I don't think that you're going to want a U-Haul. I think, I think it really is worth buying a trailer to move your stuff. To be honest, because you could use it later on down the road. It's an asset. It's not just a cost. It's an asset. Yeah. So, Dan, what do you think? <clears throat> I agree. Trailer is an asset, but I would also like that asset. Kind of. <clears throat> I would also kind of weigh the difference. You know, if you sell all your tools and buy again, you're going to lose money. But tools do hold their value well. Yeah. But they also do, moving right them sixteen hundred miles is going to cost you money. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. What would cost you more money? Would the move? Yeah, it's almost a wash realistically. That's why exactly. I was if it, if it's a wash, you know, I would or I even would, close to a wash. I would think about <laughs> selling everything and just starting over. I mean, it, I really would. If like like Mike just said, it, I mean, if it's close to being a wash, if I if I'm upside down just a little bit, like a couple hundred bucks, man, even it, like two thousand bucks, it's almost like it's, not worth the headache of moving everything. No, you, know? you just get a new one and you have a new tool. I mean, if you're, I mean, yeah, obviously everyone's situation is different. Like for me, I look at the tools like such a yeah. integral part of my business. We don't, we don't know I your mean, exact situation, so we can't yeah, give you a I good mean, answer, but that's how I'm looking at it. Like writing off $2,000 of how, if I, if I can sell all my tools and I make $18,000 for like a pile of these big pain in the neck tools and I have to go back and buy like $23,000 worth of tools to replace them, that's not really a big deal. Uh, $5,000 isn't great but i'll sell table or something so i mean you just make it work it's just one of those things like there's just big expenses that come in with buying a shop or moving your whole shop i mean i'm just i'm i'm dealing with the same thing right now so pete how'd you deal with this when you moved well i was only moving 40 miles so i was i was i was lucky enough to well move a lot of the stuff myself and then i did a one-day push for all the large tools with luckily i had a couple local makers uh, Matt from Garden State, uh, Jake uh, from JV Woodworks, Glenn from Glen Marino, like that. A bunch of guys came out, helped me out. We loaded everything up and just two trailers and a bunch of cars. We brought everything over. Now, if I was moving across the country, here's the thing. I, I've kind of looked at some of these numbers just based on some ideas we had of maybe moving south a little bit, a couple states to down. To Nebraska? Uh, yes, yeah, south to Nebraska. Yep, to south Nebraska. Um <clears throat> <laughs> and basically, the numbers we were coming up with, just ballpark numbers, was between three and seven thousand to move the shop only. Because now I don't know what the situation is. Maybe are you guys getting a large freight truck that is going to be, you know, most of it filled with your house, and then maybe there's room to put tools in there, and it's just bundled into the price, you know, or it costs you a little more because that's the cheapest option. The other options are, yeah, you can get a pod dropped. I think that's how. Um, uh, Bruce Ulrich moved. He he dropped the pod. Yeah, he did pods. Yeah, he, he did was two of them. Not very happy with the service. From yeah, and but pods you're looking at like two to four grand per pod, depending on the size too and how far you're going. Um, another option is depending on what kind of property you have and whether it's even possible to drop it on your property anywhere. You could buy or rent a. Uh, it's, it's basically a pod, but it's it, it's a container, and then load it up secure it however you need and have a freight company actually pick it up and move it. I've seen that happen before. Um, getting a container across country is about two grand, but 
buying a new container, you're looking at about one to two grand. So like either way, you're in this like thousands of dollars, you know, number. So the guys are right. Like, look, I think when uh, Mark Spagnola moved one time, he just sold all the stools and bought them again because it was cheaper. And, you know, it's a nice excuse to maybe upgrade or something and maybe get rid of some tools that you don't need. Obviously, take everything you can that's smaller, but that big stuff, it might not be worth moving. It, it might be a big I mean, hassle. I mean, I was going to sell for sure my jointer and my planer and buy a new jointer and planer at the new place in Montana. Those tools, those were like Montana, a thousand yeah. – I mean – 900 pounds for the planer and 1,200 pounds for that jointer. And my CNC I was going to sell locally and get have the new CNC out there. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, it very is very realistically do, to look at some of these tools. Do a price list like, side by side yeah. of like what if you sold and bought again brand new. Like brand new. Not even if you were like bargain hunting. Like you just bought brand new, walked into a rocker or whatever, Menards and picked it up. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely hard to answer without knowing your exact situation. But, yeah, man. Factor all those things in and make your decision. We're not your parents. Figure it out. I'm just joking. Thanks for the question. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot. It's hard to answer, man. It really, it's 1,600 miles is a long distance, and that is just so much to hump across the country. That's going to be dist. Did you say I hump mean, across the country? Yeah. Yeah. All right. You know, it's a schlep. There's a uh, show title. Anyway. Hump across the country. AWP, hump across the country, 2021 tour. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, this is fun. Uh, we've been canceled. <laughs> uh, Dan, I hope you feel gr- better tomorrow. I know you won't, but hopefully you're Man, this is going downhill fast. Yeah, you know. look like crap. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry, buddy. Thanks. No, that's uh, my normal Thanks for face. joining us tonight. Let's get this thing done so Dan can be done. Yeah. Uh, guys, have a great night. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, we hope you have a great weekend. Uh, I'm probably going to make this thing live earlier on Sunday, so there's a full day of listening to the show this Sunday. I don't know. I just kind of felt like doing that. So, uh, Keep an eye out for the patron giveaway for the tumblers, and keep an eye out for the new Etsy listing for the patron... Uh, no, for the new uh, tumblers on the Etsy store. Also, check out all of our Etsy stores. If you got anything over there you're looking for, we, uh, we'd love to make it for you. And uh, check out our you know Instagrams and TikToks and YouTubes and Facebooks and our uh, Pinterest pin boards and whatever that stuff is. So yeah, that. you guys have a great, great rest of your week, all right? Uh, take it easy. Have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye. Love you, bye. Love you, long time. This is why I'm on my second wife. This is why I'm, this is why I'm, this is why I'm, this is why I'm hot, hot, this is why I'm hot.